Hi, friends. Welcome to our podcast, Happily Together. We're your hosts. I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb. And can we just say that we are so glad you are here. Oh, it's a good day to be alive. I count my blessings and keep them all at my side. Questions. How much did you love Dr. Tina? I mean, I kind of geek out in the beginning because I am secretly obsessed with her. I want to be like her when I'm older. Dr. Tina is so cool. She is (laughs) just amazing. She's my favorite follow on Instagram. Honestly, she is. I feel like uh, everybody else I mute and I just want to watch Dr. Tina stuff. And if you don't know who Dr. (laughs) Tina Shermer Sellers is, um, she uh, is an author Mm -hmm. that I came across her book. I think it's God, Sex, and the Conservative Church. and it just had such, or no, Sex God in the Conservative Church uh-huh. and had such an impact on me. And ever since I read that book, I was just like, I need all of the things that you create and I write. Actually, I need it in my life. Uh-huh. I actually think that our first night in Kentucky on the porch, we, had a you, conversation. we talked about this book. She's been with us from the beginning. She, <laughs> that's why we love her so much. She's so wise. I mean, she's she's got endless wisdom bombs. Yeah. She's someone who is proactively changing culture and changing the way that we see women and the way that we see the female body and the way that we see sex. And she intimacy is and pleasure, pleasure, all intimacy. Of goodness. And she's so inviting in the conversation, she right? Is. Like she's so in- invitational around all of these concepts. Yeah. Uh, her work honestly has such, has had such a profound impact mm-hmm. on my life. And I feel like it's even more important now as we're bringing a daughter into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and our conversations um, around raising our daughter in a sex positive home mm-hmm. uh, with comprehensive sex education mm-hmm. is vastly different from our experiences. And as we have kind of unpacked and unlearned and deconstructed and healed from not being raised in mm-hmm. a comprehensive sex education, it's abstinence only sex education um, and not in a sex positive home because there was zero conversations yeah. around sex. Um, we know the damage that it can do. And it's the last thing we want to replicate or recreate in our own family yeah and so we talk a lot about uh just that sex positive homes comprehensive Mm -hmm. sex education um and there's just so so much wisdom sprinkled Mm. throughout this entire podcast and if you're hearing that sex positive home and it's triggery (laughs) or uncomfortable for you it's good it's we talk about why that concept can be quite uncomfortable for for people her latest book is called Shameless Parenting. Mm-hmm. And it's really just owning your own sexual shame. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you've had to, to, in order to have sexual shame, doesn't mean that you've had to have some sort of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can carry shame. We from can carry shame a from a things. whole myriad of mm-hmm. reasons and experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, the deliberate act of owning our own sexual shame so that we don't force or uh, put that shame on our yeah, children unknowingly as impose unknowingly it really impose it right mm-hmm. um it's just so important it's so important yeah and so if you don't know uh dr tina she's a licensed sex and gender feminist psychotherapist best-selling author researcher um emeriti i hope i'm saying that right emeriti professor and media personality whose expertise spans sex therapy spiritual intimacy parenting and social justice mm. Uh, she's done a lot of work all throughout the media, um, but her book, Sex, God, in the Conservative Church, Erasing Shame from Sexual Intimacy, has had a global impact. And her latest book, Shameless Parenting, Everything You Need to Raise, Everything You Need to Raise Shame-Free, Confident Killed Kids, and Heal Your Shame Too. Uh, it was a new release bestseller in five categories. She speaks throughout the world on how to heal and how to raise shame-free, relationally confident children yes please you can find her um we'll have all the links all of the great work all of her books in the description of this podcast absolutely that is enough of us of us raving about dr (laughs) tina let's go ahead and just jump into the conversation with her recording in progress oh dr tina I have been waiting for uh, this conversation for some time now. I think anytime I get waiting a, a little more, I know anytime <laughs> I get a chance to talk with you, I'm just like eagerly anticipating our time together. So sincerely, uh, thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. Yeah, we're so glad oh, you're wow. here. 
always so glad to be here. I'm so glad to talk to you guys. I feel like I know you just through the Instagram world. I feel like you're one of my favorite follows, obviously. And I have a little bit of a celebrity crush on you because <laughs> I've read some of your work. Caleb has had you on his podcast. And I'm like, this woman is my hero. <laughs> I, I, I secretly, I'm like, Dr. Tina's friends with me. What do you Caleb think? What has do you think some ownership that? over the friendship. <laughs> It's now true. I have to share. But, it's true. Oh. <laughs> but you both got me. Yes. I got you. Yes. We're in this together. How how is uh, your new year? How's how's January treating you? Well, you know, I feel like with COVID, we just kind of yeah. slid into mm -hmm. it. You yeah. know, it's. I still think I'm trying to wrap my head around the world we're living in. Yeah. Um, COVID uh, makes me feel like I live like. Gumby and pokey like constantly <laughs> flexible yes. you know like i don't know you know we'll see how everybody's doing and oh that's so true you know, it's just this constant state of flex mm. and you know it, whether it's you know who i can go visit or what we can do or whatever so it's this kind of living tentativeness that is a part of everyday life that still doesn't feel like a part of the real life. Yeah. You know? yeah. How so, have you, how have so you true. kind of uh, had to evolve or kind of like what has helped you stay kind of emotionally centered or grounded um, while remaining flexible Yeah, while remaining flexible in mm -hmm. all of the chaos of all of this? Yeah. I think it's staying in touch with people who help ground me, mm. people that I love and, um, and just, trying to be mindful that I don't get too isolated. I'm an introvert mm. and, um, and I love my work and I'm connected to my husband. And so I think just being mindful that I stay connected to other people too, that I love and talking to them because it can get easy to get isolated and even more so now. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think that's helped me the most, but it's been hard. Mm. You know, it's not been easy for, for me yeah. either. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. yeah, it's such a wild time in the world. Uh, there's days where I wake up and I'm like, are we living inside of a video game? <laughs> are we living <laughs> in some kind this? of like alternate reality? Because just uh, the Sorry. past two years, there's so much that has shifted and, and forced us to, to pause and change yeah. and adapt. And it's just a wild, it's a wild time. It's a wild time. I, um, I will say to kind of say it again, how excited I am, because I don't think, honestly, there's not many days that go without me mentioning your work, mm. the impact your work has had on me, mm. or saying, <laughs> people are probably so tired of me when I'm like, you need shameless parenting. You need shameless parenting. You need shameless parenting. <laughs> Have you read shameless parenting? You have a two-year-old, you need shameless parenting. <laughs> do you know, parenting. I always go, do you know that you can instill shame, yeah. sexual shame, in someone as young as eight oh, months old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> People are like, okay, but it's true. We, it really is. It's been, your work has been so impactful for both, both of us individually and even together in our marriage. And I am so excited. Yeah. And, and just for the sake of our, our listeners, I know that like our previous conversation was heavily centered around the origins of purity culture and the damaging effects of purity culture and where it came from and the role of the church and so on and so forth. Uh, just for today's sake of the conversation, I would really love to really talk about shameless parenting mm -hmm. and building sex positive homes, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. how we yeah. do it and the importance of it. Yeah. And so maybe you can just kind of and talk. And what even is a sex yeah, positive what, home what that when is. you say that? Because I know for a fact, as soon as people hear that, they're like sexual promise promiscuous like, like oh i had a conversation with a friend the other day totally and, that's and exactly we what said i said about. we're really excited to to create a sex positive home well. and she was like well doesn't that mean your daughter's just gonna have sex with everyone <laughs> <laughs> it was like no actually <laughs> probably not <gasps> yeah so maybe no. we can just start there uh why why shameless parenting um what it's all about um and yeah we can just start the conversation there yeah and you know it's it's really um, that myth that you got confronted with right there, Kara, is a really important myth mm. um, to to confront. I can remember one time uh, I was at an event and my daughter was actually with me and she was probably in high school at the time. And um, 
And I was saying something about uh, providing sex education to my children, how I did when they were growing up. And this one mom of a graduate graduate of mine at this event that I was at um, said basically the same thing. She said, well, you really don't want to do that because it causes children to become sexual earlier. Mm. And and I said, actually, it's the opposite Mm -hmm. of that. Um, and, and that's what I think people don't realize, because there's this idea that if you provide age appropriate sex and body education as kids are growing up, that the, the myth is they're going to be involved earlier. But actually, it's it, it's the opposite. Yeah. They get involved later. And it's mm-hmm. like any kind of knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, then you have the capacity to make informed decisions Mm. so what a sex positive home is it's providing your child the information as they're needing it Mm. right Mm -hmm. and so it's actually very easy to do your child will let you know when they're needing to know about their genitals Mm. you know just like they're needing to know about their eyes and their nose and their ears and so you're helping them label them because that's what they're going to be doing they're going to be finding that part of their body and then you're going to be saying well this is what's going on and that's you know whatever i was with my four-year-old granddaughter over the weekend and we were reading uh, one of Roald Dahl's books together and she had a blanket over her and her hands were down <laughs> on her vulva <laughs> and um and she would look at me every once in a while like are you watching I mean can, you know and I was totally ignoring her because that was fine you know who cares <clears throat> it was appropriate we were not out in public or whatever right, right? Mm-hmm. so and she's that age where she's certainly discovered that part of her body and can tell that there are extra nerve endings there Mm. and we're wired for connection and pleasure. Right. So who cares? Mm. So, but later she made a comment. She said, my, my hands smell. And I said, well, sweet pea, I said, you had your hands um, down on your vulva and maybe they were close to your bottom as well. So you might want to go wash them because that's where waste comes out of our body. Mm. And she said, well, when? And I said, well, when we were downstairs and we were reading, and that's completely fine because that part of your body is wonderful and it feels good. But if you notice that your hands smell, you might want to go wash them and that's a fine thing. So that's an example of just providing the education as it arises Mm. to explain what's going on, right? Mm. That's a part of your body that waste comes out of too. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's as things arise and you're just letting them know this is what's going on with your body. This is how it's happening. And kids are going to give you plenty of opportunity to give you that information all the time. And if you're not freaking out about it, you're not going, oh, that's gross or that's nasty. And you're getting all flustered and you're getting all freaked out. That's when they absorb your anxiety, right? And your shame, which of course, I don't want to put people down for feeling those things because they feel them because somebody unloaded on them. Yeah, yeah. Like we come by our shame and our reactivity totally honestly, Yes. Mm -hmm. right? And and that is why I wrote the shameless book is to say, here's what's going to happen at every age. This is what the, your child is naturally going to do. Mm. And here's what you might feel when they naturally do these things, because somebody probably didn't do it well with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you prepare and you think about how might I feel when they go ahead and do this, then I've got some time to deal with Absolutely. my own internal reactivity and yep. wonder why would this be hard for me? What might have somebody if I think about my mom or my dad or my grandparents or whatever, how might they have responded? Like you can come up with this stuff, Mm, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, okay. Well, how do I want to do it? Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you give yourself sort of some practice time. And then there's so many wonderful books now and websites that you can go to, to actually do some practice before your child gives you a hundred times to practice. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, do you have a question? No, go ahead. Because I'm just kind of curious, before we kind of get into the intricacies of that, um, do you feel like the the conversation around sex positive homes and comprehensive sex education um, culturally in America is shifting or is there still a lot of resistance? I know you're immersed in this work. It's kind of like when I'm talking about, I don't know, healing trauma or just my personal story. I'm like, doesn't everybody talk about this? <laughs> because my Instagram feed, I'm just in this echo chamber of all of this. And I don't, right. I'm kind of disconnected from the outside world in that regard. Mm. Um, right. I'm wondering, I know that you're immersed in this work, but do you see the cultural conversation shifting a little bit? Mm. I I mean, like you, I'm in an echo chamber, but I don't think it's changing very much. I mean, we're certainly very polarized. Mm. Um, there are only 18 states out of all of our states that require medically accurate sex education. It's insane. The rest don't have to be medically accurate. They don't even have to provide it. And we know that abstinence education was 80% medically inaccurate, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so we have a whole lot of people that have now been 40 years in abstinence education who, who believe all kinds of mythology. We have epigenetically shamed people, yeah, right? So I think we still have a tidal wave of people that are just really scared because they've been in this danger view of sexuality. And I think what I am most concerned about and where I see sort of a tsunami happening is that our kids, our little ones are growing up with a lot of media and TV that are showing LGBTQ folk, you know, all kinds of, sort of out what I call out culture. And so they're seeing themselves represented, Mm. you know, and so they are coming out earlier and earlier to each other Mm -hmm. and they are feeling good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're coming home and they're telling their folks at 10, 11 and 12. And I think their folks aren't able to handle it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm a little worried about because I really don't want another generation of kids going underground and then just hanging with their friends and not having parental support. Yeah. Right. Or even professional support for that matter. So good. So we really have to work to help our parents feel or get educated and feel like your kids are great. Your kids are yeah. actually in a much better space than the generation before. Yeah. Um, but they need you. They need you to be a resource, not not somebody that they can't talk to. Yeah. I, it reminds me of, um, I know we had previously discussed this, but Kara and I did a, a short video on YouTube about our experience growing up in purity culture mm-hmm. and how it kind of has played a role um, in our lives and what we've had to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And I had a childhood friend that I would say was probably like my best friend, fourth, fifth, and sixth, seventh grade. Um, we have not really, we, I don't think we've maybe have talked once since graduating high school. He found this video. Well, first he found other videos. Well, he found that we were expecting our first. Yeah. And he was so just elated. Left, oh my God. Left some really kind comments. No, he literally said, my childhood best friend is having a baby. I'm so excited. And then he finds the purity <laughs> culture video and he's not so excited. He, it's, it, he just basically, since you live in sexual sin, you know, ba- you know, and you can't handle temptations, you're going to blame purity culture on the shame mm-hmm. when in fact it's you kind of deal. Mm-hmm. He, just to give you kind of an idea, he quoted Ben Shapiro. <laughs> so I was he just also, like, you lost me This there. is my favorite. He also was like, who corrupted you? Was it the army? Was it counseling? counseling or was, or it, was Kara? it Kara? <laughs> Oh, great. So I'm like, counseling, <laughs> corrupt like, counseling. Me. I, I say me. all this though, because it just, it did, as I was just thinking about it, it didn't bother me except when i read him like type your name yeah you there were. was a part of me i was like oh hell no <laughs> like 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 no you mentioned her name one more time like we have an issue but like, oh you know what she's so good <laughs> <laughs> um but it just broke my heart because mm. it like i know they have a few or two or three just young children in their lives and in their homes and it's just like, it's exactly what you're saying is 
there's going to be sexual desires, sexual urges, sexual yeah. thoughts that are naturally going to occur in these children's lives. And yeah. they're not going to feel safe enough to have these no. sex positive conversations. Mm-hmm. And it's so damaging. Mm-hmm. Really, it is. Um, we, you know, we've got all kinds of examples of the Northern European countries who since the early 40s have had comprehensive um, sex education. And and I always want to say when I say sex education that from kindergarten to uh, fourth grade or so, it's really about how do you do relationships? How do you do body autonomy? How do you do consent? Like ask people, can I give That's you great. a hug? Yeah. You have rights over your own body. I mean, it's really about relationships and uh, kindness and respect and boundaries. I mean, it's really about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as learning anatomy. And then as you get closer to 10, 11, 12, then you're l- learning reproduction and that kind of thing. So it doesn't get into hardcore sexuality until they're much, they're older, but it's very appropriate things that you need to know in order to keep yourself safe and for other people to know where they begin and end and you begin and end. So really important things, but we know that when you provide age appropriate relationship at life and sex education to kids, that they get involved in sex later. They make safer sexual choices. They have lower STI and teen pregnancy rates. They choose partners that are better suited for them. They choose love relationships and not hookup types of relationships. Mm. All the statistics are better across the board. And, um, and we know in the United States that the places where we have the worst statistics are our more conservative states. Yeah. So yeah. We, have, we have had these uh, results from research for years and years, and we continue to perpetuate this idea that the more conservative, the better it is. And it's actually always been the opposite. opposite. Yeah. You know, and, and so this, you know, what you're saying, Caleb, about kids going underground and then they have no one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the results of that, you know, that kids are getting hurt. They're getting exploited. They're having sexual experiences that are hurtful, frightening, traumatizing, you know, whatever. And it's exactly what parents don't want to Mm, have happen. And yet they're setting them up for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just the same exact. I'm just. No, you're good. I'm so sorry. Um, It's the same exact experience I have in schools Mm. when sometimes I get to these really affluent high achieving cost $50,000 a year for that child to attend these high schools. And they Mm -hmm. say, do not mention suicide. Parents do not want you to mention suicide because they think it's going to, it's going to increase the Mm -hmm. chances or increase the number of people who have actually followed through. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have the data, we have the research, we have the, the understanding of what actually creates safety what is driving the fear, if we call them in, in these conservative states, what's driving the fear of of these parents who who are like I'm thinking about your friend? Yeah. Like what is that? What's what's behind that? Where he's so afraid that if we mention the word vulva, then she's gonna become sexually permi- promiscuous. <laughs> or if we talk about sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think there's a long, 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 long history Mm. that, I mean, really long, like epigenetics, again, in our DNA, long, long history that says, if you talk about it, people will do it, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been controlling people through their sexuality and controlling women in particular Mm -hmm. through their sexuality for thousands of years, right? And we, we say it's private. But actually, it's about you keep it silent, mm. and then you can control people because they don't know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think that we have a just a history of doing that with lots of things. Yeah. You keep the information from people, and they're much more controllable. Yeah. You give them the information, and now they have choices. Now they can stand up for themselves. Yeah, you know, now they can say what is right and wrong for you know, with them, but they're not as easily controlled when they have the information, Mm -hmm. right? Withhold the information from them and they're much more gullible. Yeah. Much, much more gullible. So we see that happening, I think in many, many areas, even right now, Mm. you know, around culture. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like you're outside of your life then. Like you don't have the autonomy or the sense of agency mm-hmm. that's needed yes. really to lead a, a fulfilling and happy and healthy life that's going to benefit all of society. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I exactly. was, I, we were having a conversation yesterday and I was, um, I was almost laughing about it because, uh, we had on a, a sex psychologist and she was, she was talking about a lot of things, but basically this, this definition of, um, of sex. And she was like, sex can be a whole host of things. Sex can be the way that it was really good. Actually. We have intercourse penis and vagina sex can be oral sex can be sensual touching sensual touching and i was sitting there and being like i am 37 years old <laughs> and i still in my brain from from the teachings have this ingrained sense that sex is penis and vagina intercourse and mentally i i, I have un broken that paradigm I've, I've worked through that paradigm and i can see conceptually that it's more than that but how I was, I was reflecting on how, um, that is what we call virginity. (laughs) If, if the penis doesn't go into the vagina, then there is virginity. And this concept of virginity that has been so wildly destructive in my mind and in my own experience as, as so binary as so, um, so limiting as a construct. And, I'm, I'm just thinking about, wow, if I had been given the understanding, the tools, the language, the, the, the full expanse of, of what sex actually is, yeah. it would have yeah. been really empowering for me. Can we, can we talk about that a little bit from yeah. your experience, yeah. Dr. Tina, like this construct of virginity, um, yes. why we have it and the damage or like what it's actually doing Yeah. and what, yeah. what is the better way to go about this? Yeah. So, you know, that's a concept that comes from women being property. Mm. Long, long history of women being property. Mm -hmm. So if you're um, a virgin, (laughs) which, you know, we have countries that still believe in hymens. Mm -hmm. Not every woman is born with a hymen. Not every hymen is the same, right? And um, people are murdered, who they don't believe that, that they don't have a hymen or their hymen has been somehow changed or something, you know, it's horrible, but it's about women being property wow. and, and as property, they're more valuable if they haven't been penetrated. Wow. It's really awful, but yeah. this is what it comes down to is patriarchy. And it's that men have a particular status and women have a particular status and women are owned by men. Mm. Um, and of course, it's heteronormative. Um, the people having the worst sex, and in part because of this definition, are have been heterosexuals forever. Mm. And in part because in gay, lesbian, and trans relationships, they are allowed to start their sexual relationship by saying, hey, so what are you into? Mm. Mm-hmm. There's no proscriptive yes. sexuality. Yeah. And so can you imagine that? Yeah. Like how wonderful is that? That yeah. that's where you start. Yeah. Nobody assumes what you want or what you like. Or where it's gonna go. Or where it's gonna go, mm-hmm. or that it's gonna go where it went to last time. Mm. Yeah. Right? So it gets to be like a tango, you know, you go <laughs> or a jazz you know, number or whatever, you know, it's lovely. It's really the way I believe it ought to be, Mm. you know? And so we really do need to get away. It's heterosexuals in particular need to get away from this. And when I say they are having the worst sex, that's actual. I'm not making that up. The last piece of research that Masters and Johnson did, observational research in the late 60s, early 70s, was, was watching gay, lesbian, and straight people have sex. And the gay and lesbian folks took their time. They built anticipation, da 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 da, da. Mm. And the straight people did wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It was the same way every time. Mm. It was terrible. And it's still that way when you talk to people who treat people around sexuality. The people having the worst sex are the straight folks. Yeah. And it's because it's, pro- it's proscriptive. She's often doing what he wants. 
he feels like she's not there. Mm. So he's not able to really help her come alive. She doesn't know her own sexuality. I mean, we see the same patterns often happening. So when I think of the definition of sex and what I work with a lot with people is I, I ask the question, what's it for? Mm. Like, why, why do we do this? We we're the, you know, the animal, if you will, that doesn't have sex for procreation very often. Mm. And yet we often are wanting connection and pleasure. We seem to be hardwired for connection and pleasure. When your little girl comes out, you're not going to have milk there, but she's going to be rooting right away. Mm. Right. It's your smell, your voice, it's connection and pleasure. Yeah. Right. We are wired for it. If toddlers don't get enough touch, literal touch, it will cause neurological damage. Right. You can walk down the halls of an Alzheimer's unit and you're going to see people seeking connection and pleasure, even though they don't have memories that work. It's really hard for adult kids, actually, Mm -hmm. because they're still seeking to be sexual often, you know, Mm -hmm. connection and pleasure. So we have to take this penis and vagina idea off and say, what does connection and pleasure look like for you today? What do you need it to look like? Mm You know, what kind of connection and pleasure is worth having for you Mm. today? Because you might be sick, because you've just had a baby, because you're tired, because who knows, but connection and pleasure has value Mm. and bonding has value. So, and you are the two that get to be naked together. And so we have hands to move us through our arousal cycles. Yeah. Sex isn't doesn't need to be about drive, but it does need to be about desire for connection and pleasure. Mm. Those are different things. So good. Yeah. 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 That's so good. And it's just like it gives you I think we discussed this in another podcast, but it it gives you so much more to work with Mm. versus assuming like, oh, sex is this penetrative act that leads one party or both parties based on data, mostly Mm -hmm. the male party to orgasm state. And that is what is required of me. But then it's like, I come home from work or you came home from work or whatever it is. And it's just like, I have no energy to actually have penetrative sex Mm -hmm. right now, but we can still, this is how I want to experience pleasure and Mm -hmm. connection. Connection. So it just completely opens up and invites a more robust experience Mm -hmm. that then therefore can deepen the intimacy and the connection within the partnership. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's variety. It's like, what do you feel like for dinner? Yeah. I don't want to eat yeah. the same thing every day. <laughs> totally. <I don't>. <laughs> now I get bored. You know, I don't want Cheerios every day for breakfast either, you know, but it, it brings creativity and it brings fun and it lets you grow and change over time, yeah. you know, and, and that's really, I think what we're meant to how we're meant to experience our relationship as a whole, including yeah. our touch relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, I want I want to just, I, I, I'm not trying to speak over you. No, you're not. Sometimes I go on a, a roll and Kara's like, I asked one question, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. So we also often practice conflict management inside of... Uh, <laughs> conflict resolution. <laughs> conflict resolution, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, as a man, I would love to hear your advice on this. Um, you know, being kind of open here, I Kara is very much more like touch, sensual, pleasure, slow. I am yeah. still deconstructing this like mentality of like what sex is. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. I'm still learning here. I can, and I yeah. can be honest when I say that I do know that I think I have been leaning into this for a while now, but there's still a lot of shame that I feel in my bones and in my body that I'm actively leaning in towards and you know carol will vide in conversations and i'm like you know putting the covers over my head because i'm like i'm not talking about about this do we have to talk about this right now you know but um i'm curious on what you would say is if i want to learn how to embrace this more embody this more sensual approach this more pleasure approach this more just connection and intimacy approach um and not just run into the the penetrative sex orgasm and i'm done 
Yeah. Um, what kind of advice can you give me? Where do I start? Mm-hmm. How do I nurture this practice of embodiment um, so yeah. I can show up differently in our relationship? Because again, for um, you, you would say that pleasure historically has been an orgasm and has been bad. Yes. Like pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Pleasure is not a concept that pleasure. Has been yeah. Pleasure. For you. And it's the, it's the concept of sensuality. And we talked about this in just a recent podcast. It's like, I'm really looking to incorporate more sensuality through my everyday life, Mm -hmm. more pleasure through my everyday life, whether that is smelling the flowers or, Mm -hmm. you know, just feeling the sun on my body Mm -hmm. versus, you know, just thinking that sensuality or sensuality or pleasure is only limited to an orgasm. Right. Exactly. I love that. That's wonderful. And, and really so often that's what we do for men, right? The research says that we take little boys we tend to stop holding and hugging them at like age six. Mm. Like we, we take them off laps wow. at six. And the very next time that they're getting sort of sensual, sexual pleasure, I mean, that kind of touch is through sex. Mm. And by that point, sort of the, the, the boy club has come around them and yeah. been like, are you scoring? Are you scoring? Are you scoring? <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. so it's really like, narrowed in for them and they've missed so much of sensuality right like what's delicious and luscious in the world and so you're you're really talking about trying to wake up to that Mm. yeah um and that's that's wonderful so there's a couple things to think about there's um there are there, so there's a practice called tantra i don't know if you're aware of it but it's eastern and that there's practices inside tantra that are really slow and get you to pay attention so it's intention attention eyes breath that already makes me like go like <laughs> i'm like but, moving out of the frame totally into your body yeah and it gets you into it'll help you get into kara's body too like mm. into her mm. eyes and into her heart and sort of synchronizing yourself with each other mm. so um the other thing i'll say is if you find yourself when you even think about doing anything like that that your sex drive your sort of sense that you need to move through your arousal cycle if that feels too high so if you're feeling that feeling then what i recommend to guys who might be feeling that is go masturbate and move through your arousal cycle so that is backburnered mm. so that's not feeling right there yeah, and not distracting you wow yeah and good. then it will be easier to be inside the sensuality pleasure of what you're trying to do because that's not distracting you mm. um because there there is a lot to learn and i can um uh i can send you the name of a book that has like some practices in it that you guys can work on there's the there's one book called the um, multi-orgasmic couple oh i have that book and it teaches (laughs) you both how to lengthen out your pleasure yeah and stay in pleasure with each other longer so i'll tell you something that you might not know um orgasm and ejaculation are not the same physiological function Mm. and men can actually learn to have the orgasmic sort of contraction begin before long before the ejaculation and he can learn to lengthen that out and so he stays in pleasure with her amazing for a long long time but it takes practice to learn to do that yeah and you can just have fun together that's amazing. That's so good. I love that we um, we were like, let's talk about having a sex positive home. Sorry. But it is, <laughs> no, it's so important because it does start with us. It is. It does. It, it starts, does. It starts here. It starts with our comfortability. I want to deal, I want to lean into the shame. This is just what I always talk about, like the beauty of us. We really do do the work of maintaining the integrity of the emotional safety inside of our relationship and inside of this home mm. so that I can say, hey, I'm feeling this or hey. Mm-hmm. You know, and take responsibility. I'm taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm not just emotionally vomiting on you. But we work through this through like the co-regulation piece. And I want to lean into this shame because the last thing I want to do is our daughter to wait, be raised mm-hmm. um, and to begin to experience, you know, the things that could have been prevented if her father would have just worked into that shame. Yeah. 
you know? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I know I'm not going to get it perfect. I know there's going to be mistakes, but I'm just somebody, if it's, if it's present in front of me, like let's lean into it. And this is where we're going. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's noticing it. It's moving through it and it's moving towards celebration. Mm. That's good. You're moving towards like seeing your, your body and your sexuality and pleasure as just incredible oh, gifts that's beautiful. from a really loving creator. Yeah. You know, like, wow, like we weren't just put here to do like work and trudge through things, but we have the capacity <laughs> yeah. for love and for pleasure. And that's, that, that is incredible. Like it really yeah. is an incredible gift that we are drawn to love deeply and we're drawn to share with our bodies this incredible pleasure with somebody that we deeply love. And yes, it's work and all that to do to love deeply, but it's also an incredible miracle. And and it's really too bad that we're in a culture that poops sexuality so much because it really is an incredible gift. Mm, I mean, it's so amazing, Yeah, you know? In, in, especially when it's in a loving relationship, you know, because yeah. we have the safety, somebody's got our back. And so we're in the safest place to explore and fall down and go, oh my gosh. And, yeah, you know, sure. all of it. It's great. I can I genuinely that. say that, like, tasting a little bit of accessing that pleasure center mm. in my own body, in my own life, you taste the freedom or you taste like this mm. more expansive, life giving mm-hmm. energy. And it's, it's just, I know mm. that I'm not fully embodying it yet, yeah. but I've tasted where it goes. And I'm so like, there really is, I think, a correlation between this very vibrant, fruitful, um, expansive experience of life yeah. with tapping into that pleasure center, that sexual energy that stays so harnessed yeah. all your life. And it is, it is a sense of tasting the divine, yeah. like tasting, yeah. tasting the holy, tasting the sense of like, even what you said, Dr. Tina, there has to be a loving creator that was like, go have fun, go enjoy, (laughs) which is amazing, which is amazing. It's an amazing reframe, especially I'm, I'm someone who I grew up in purity culture, the, all of the history of the dysfunction with my own body came from purity culture because I was taught that my body was bad, that it was distrustful, that it was something to be punished. And so much of my story has been unraveling that and unpacking that. And I was telling Caleb um, probably a month ago or so, I feel like uh, pregnancy has been such a wild and beautiful teacher for me. Mm -hmm. It's been such an expansive experience of understanding how good my body is and how it's wired to create and create new life and how I am the portal (laughs) from the supernatural to the natural and how my womb opening will be this this portal of creation. And I, I was laying in the bathtub and I was like, babe, come here. And he was like, what? And I was like, I'm like God. (laughs) He was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I am, I am creating new life without doing anything just by existing and by being, I am creating new life. So essentially I'm like God, which sounds quite heretical (laughs) to some people when I say it out loud, but it was this experience of, I am so connected to the divine by being in my body, by allowing my body, by, 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 yeah, by accessing my body. And, and I think, um, I think it's interesting as I, as we're having this conversation, my brain keeps going towards how children, how this, how this potential of a human has been such a teacher already. And she's not even here. She will be here and will be constant opportunity for us to heal our own stuff. And you mentioned this earlier and I kind of want to come back to it. You mentioned this earlier when your four-year-old granddaughter is on the couch (laughs) with her hands down her pants, your response wasn't out of discomfort because you've you've done your own work mm-hmm. to recognize when it triggers or or does something uncomfortable for you right mm-hmm. but i feel mm-hmm. like so many people and i'm i'm curious on your perspective on on how to deal with this so many people when we haven't dealt with our own stuff when we haven't dealt with our shame mm-hmm. our tendency is going to be like don't do that don't touch yourself there don't 
whatever yeah. the thing is. So how do we, yeah, how do I, we, oh, go ahead. No, I, we just had a, we had an experience where just recently our, our friend's daughter oh, yeah. has, is learning her body. Yeah. And she knew, she knows enough. She's done enough work where she was just like, I, like, how do I handle this? Like, yeah. I know shutting this down and shutting this is not healthy or beneficial, but mm-hmm. it makes me feel a certain way. And I'm like, I got the perfect book for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she was, she was, she's learned the word vagina. She's an 18 yeah. month old that's learned the word v- yeah. vagina, which is awesome. Uh-huh. But in right. in and a group had, of... And she said, like, what do we do whenever she's shouting that word and our friends are over? It makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And so I, I, it was just a beautiful moment. I honor her because she allows this thing to happen. And her natural instinct is, like, sh- to squash it, to shut it down, yeah. right? To protect the maybe awkwardness of the group. Of course, it's us. So we're like, <laughs> celebrate. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Uh, but it doesn't negate how she felt. So mm-hmm. just extending yeah. your question. Here. Yeah. But just uh, essentially asking that question, how do, how do we as parents allow for the discomfort and not mm-hmm. respond to it? <laughs> because I think that's, yeah. that's where it can be. Yeah. They can be our greatest teacher, but it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable and it is our greatest teacher. It, and um, we are, this, that question connects to your question, you know, is culture shifting, yeah. right? Uh, where are we? Um, because the word, I mean, it's, she's, she might be finding her vagina, but she's likely finding her vulva and her clitoris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a value to give your child I mean, with boys, everything's right out front. But with girls, we have a couple of different things that are kind of hidden. And we want them to know all the parts. Yeah. Both for pleasure, but also in case anybody is inappropriate with them. Yeah. We want to know, we want them to be able to tell us exactly what's happened, right? Mm. And so, but if nose isn't a word that we would have a hard time with them screaming or ear or eye or knee or elbow, then we ought not have a problem with them screaming vulva either. It's Mm. just another body part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just another body part. So we just go, yep, there's it. There it is. And a lot of times when they are screaming it over and over, it's because they've gotten a reaction. Yeah. So as soon as we stop reacting, it's going to go away because they're not going to scream nose forever either. (laughs) Um, So you're just like, yep, yep, you got one. Why don't you go get your Legos? Let's go play. You know, you just let it go. Mm. Um, because they're picking, usually if they're doing it over and over, it's because they're picking up your anxiety or yeah. whatever. So you just go, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, you got it. It's wonderful. Just like your nose, just like your ears, <laughs> just like your eyeballs. <laughs> I love so it. Good. I love it. I love the normalization of uh, the body. That's it right there. Just mm-hmm. normalizing it. Normalizing it's just the body. The body part. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not better or worse. It's just another wonderful part of your wonderful body. Yeah. 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 I really love it. And your eyes can experience pleasure. I guess. And your cheeks can mm-hmm. experience pleasure. Just normalizing right. that all parts of your body are are made for that. Right. And we take care of all parts of our body. Mm-hmm. We're grateful for our all parts of our body. Mm-hmm. Just right along with that. That's so good. When uh, Kara, help me out with this question here. Yeah. I'm probably going to uh, kind of ramble through it, but you had mentioned, you know, like this whole journey of getting reconnected to your body. And yeah. I know um, that a big part, our daughters, I, I don't know if I told you this, then this podcast will be out before or after our daughter is born, but we're naming our daughter Sophie London Campbell, Sophie London. Um, Sophie London. And London is kind of a, a, an important city. It's Kara's important city or most favorite city, but, it, and I don't want to speak for you, but it was kind of the city where Kara went that so many of her belief systems and ideas of the world and yeah. the way she saw the world and expectations really, she went to die, metaphorically die. Mm-hmm. And it was in London that created the new space to invite in this new life our daughter mm-hmm. so we're naming her sophie london mm-hmm. and a big part of your body or your big part of your journey has been reconnecting to your body mm-hmm. listening to your body trusting mm-hmm. your body as you had uh so beautifully said uh, my question i guess is that there are so many ways that we can teach young people not to trust their body yeah how do we maintain mm-hmm. the um integrity or how do we protect the you know body autonomy and not cross the of our of our child mm. and not cross the line of over parenting. 
I'm, mm. do you know, I'm, I'm giving like an example of like maybe, you know, your mom coming, my mom visiting and, and Sophie doesn't want to hug my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, I don't want, like, if she does not feel like the necessity to hug my mom, I want her to own that and trust that that's what she's feeling. And I want to honor that. But then there's kind of the overparenting of like, Sophie, hug, Sophie me, hug, hug your grandma, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm just trying to walk that line. There's so many ways. And I don't know if this is the right question. That's yeah, why I'm no, asking for good. help. No, it's good. But how do we protect like and really establish that body autonomy mm-hmm. and, and not violate it so that they grow up not trusting their bodies? Yeah. Like teaching body trust and body autonomy together. Yeah. Does this mm-hmm. make sense? I'm rambling. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want, first of all, I want, just want to say to you, I want you to trust yourselves yeah. and I want you to trust Sophie and there will be many, many, many times in there to help her learn that and to support her mm. and to help the people in your life learn about body autonomy because they may not have learned that in their generation. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be so much, so much help in there. So for example, my granddaughter had a book called don't hug Doug, you know, and it was about <laughs> how Doug hated hugs. Oh. You, know, book. you know, don't hug Doug. Doug doesn't like hugs. So there's all kinds of books out there yeah. that teach it. You know, there'll be a point where it's like um, you can say we're practicing asking mm. right now. We're practicing asking. So we're all asking each other, can I hug you? Can I hug you? So now on this visit, we're going to all practice because you're going to see we're practicing. So That's would good. you practice when you when you do it? Please, we're going to be doing it with each other. So you're going to try things you know and so you'll be inviting everybody who comes visit to practice mm, asking so because you're practicing with each other and so there'll be all kinds of and then you'll say you can practice saying yes and you can practice Same saying that. no mm-hmm. you know and so there'll be lots of books to support you there'll be lots of practices to do and it'll be normalized because it's really normalized in little kid culture these these things that we're doing um because we're wanting kids to learn them so there's just a lot of help with that i would say that another thing though that kind of goes along with this and is to the the research on gender says that we are um a little bit more careful with girls than we are with boys Mm -hmm. so i would say um just be mindful of that and help her feel her own strengths, mm. help her feel her own capacities. So um, the way I think about it is trying with our children to not do for them what they are capable do. of doing for themselves very good. and keep that line, Yeah, that's really good. you know? And so keep them on that, you can do, I think you can do that. I'm going to stand right here and I'll be here if you fall, but I think you can take that next step. I love that. And so you're by the ladder and you're whatever, but you're continuing to encourage the capacity for resourcefulness. Mm. You're allowing for some suffering Mm. because you're saying, I believe in you. I think you can, Mm -hmm. you know, and And I think that that's where sports, I think, are particularly good for kids. You know, my my um, four year old granddaughter was just learning skate or snowboarding and was so good bolting down a hill, you know, shredding a hill last week for the first time. And and then, you know, she's only this far off the ground, so she can't hurt anything, you know, but that kind of sense of. I can do a lot when they're little, they naturally have that. If they've got people around them that are saying, I think you can do this. It's fairly you know? good. Um, I think that helps kids grow into that. If they've got people around them that are providing the safe container, but giving them wiggle room inside mm. of it to feel their body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful, mm-hmm. yeah. and to really tra- probably trust, trust their bodies. Them. Yeah, yeah, that's the trust yeah. what's possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this has been. Oh man, it's already almost an hour. <laughs> How? How? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
um, Dr. Dr. Tina, Tina. Yeah, thank you so much for your wisdom, yeah, for your you words. Yeah, thank you for the work you're doing yeah, in the world. Yeah, work. Um, oh, yeah. I think the last question I would have for you is uh, a simple question, but I'm always curious. And I don't think I asked you this last time, but if apart from your own books, if you could only gift one book the rest of your life, what would that book be? Only gift one book? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you could only gift one book. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see, I'm sitting here looking, looking at, at all the books. It's <laughs> just like, oh my goodness. Maybe the first one that comes comes to mind. If you were gifting one yeah, right now. You know, um, the, the one I'm thinking of and just looking at right now, I do you know Peggy Ornstein's writing? No. Mm-mm. No. So Peggy Ornstein is is a New York Times, uh, I believe, journalist, and she raised a girl. And in raising her girl, she decided to do research on what was happening for girls right now. Mm. And she wrote a book that came out about five years ago called Girls and Sex, looking at the the new landscape, looking at what was going on for girls right now. And it was it was revolutionary. Wow. And then just two years ago, she, inter- she, she interviewed 80 girls for that one. And then she interviewed about 110 boys and wrote a book called Boys and Sex. Wow. And they are brilliant because it, it really gets down to what's happening now. And it, it talks a lot or gives you the landscape of rape culture yeah. and how it's affecting girls. And and, and how it's affecting boys yeah. then too. Um, and those books, I, I'm, I remember saying to people, it doesn't matter whether you're raising a boy or a girl, you need to read both of these because it's going to help you know how social media is affecting them, mm. how culture is affecting them, and then what maybe you can do to mitigate that. So like my son and daughter-in-law, they have no TV mm. at all. And um, because media is affecting girls such that they're modifying their diet. 50% of them are modifying their diet by age six. Wow. You know, um, they already know they're not good enough. Mm. So, um, so I think just an awareness of the impact of this very bizarre culture that we're in right now. Mm. And then how do I create a culture that is more like the culture I want my kiddo to feel while their their brain is really developing you know so like my granddaughter's in a hundred percent outdoor preschool she's in mud head to toe all the time love that you know but i think it's that trying to give her something that will make her really sturdy Mm -hmm. because eventually she will be in school right yeah that's so and good. And then you can't you can't protect them as much as the, when the culture starts to come in, mm. you know. So I think though her books are are good kind of. Okay, so where are we? That's amazing. Mm. I'm ordering ordering, ordering them today. <laughs> uh, Dr. Tina, thank you so so much. Um, you. Do you have oh, any Do you have any mm-hmm. online community courses or anything that's happening that people we can share? Yeah, that we can share. Well. Um, I, I, so I have an institute, you know, called the Northwest Institute on Intimacy. It's nwioi.com. And I just recently put up like 30 courses for professionals that they can take anytime they want to, whether they're doctors or therapists or teachers or clergy, and they want to learn about sexual health because you don't get that in grad school. Mm. So we've been recording over the last several years and I just spent all of Christmas editing and putting up stuff so that it's available. So people can just start learning about sexuality and sexual health. And um, so those courses are there. We have a couple of hybrid courses you can take online when we're actually teaching them but these are you can take them anytime so that was the huge thing that i've been working on that i feel really good about because i my passion is to see people actually get trained and understand about sexuality and sexual health we need to get out of this naivete that we're in so So that's that's one thing but otherwise it's just you know following me on instagram and all that dr tina yeah we'll link we'll link all of that um but again thank you so much and uh we'll talk to you soon okay take care you guys
coursing through our body. Wow. And it is coursing through our body until our expiration, until we expire. Uh Uh-huh. And that's the breath of God leaving our body. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So yes, you very much are. (sighs) Wow. In spirit. That is remarkable. You will feel it. You will, I I don't know if you've been at deaths before, but you can feel a passing. Mm. You will feel when she comes, you will feel a holy moment. Mm. It's it's remarkable. I can't wait. So inspiration is the word for in spirit. In spirit and the in breath. And the first in breath, you're inhaling the breath. Inspiration means the, so T-I-O-N means act of. So spirit, the in the act of inspiriting wow. is what inspiration means. That's incredible. Yeah. Everyone needs to be trained oh, on these things. <laughs> it would change our lives. Have you wrote about that? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I have the in spirit and the the breath of God in the um, sex um, sex God and conservative okay. church. Okay, mm. I'll have to find that again. Awesome. It's so good. Well, if you make it to Nashville, come yes, meet our daughter. Come meet our daughter. <laughs> oh, I will definitely come see you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Bless you and have a great rest Bless of your week. You Bye. 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 Oh, I'm feeling good today. Oh, I'm feeling good today. Oh.